Hello guys, welcome back to an episode of the CMS Podcast. And today I've got with me Sarah Table. I don't know if I should call her by her name. I don't know what. <laughs> She's a gospel artist in the UK. She was mobile nominated. She's a very inspiring and entertaining and truly blessed gospel artist. So um, please, can you introduce yourself more? Yes, I'm Sarah Tabo, as you've already rightly said, and you pronounced my last name very perfectly well, I have to say, so kudos to you for that. Um, I'm a worship leader, a recording artist, a singer-songwriter. I'm married with two kids. I live in London. I'm Nigerian. Um, Most people don't even know where I'm from, so (laughs) I'll clarify that straight away. Um, And I love Jesus. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the summary. There's a lot to be said about me, but I'll probably just leave it there for now. I'm Nigerian too, so <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll just kick it off with um, some easy questions, just like to mm-hmm. get into the flow. So, um, like, when did you get into music? Like, at what point in your life was it? Like, did you have a particular time when you said, "Okay, yes, you want to go into gospel music and all of that." Yeah, I think as, as long as I've known music i've loved music and i've always sensed that i was going to do something with music um i'd say in my teenage years i was really keen on pursuing a career um as a singer but as you know with african parents it's not usually an option you have to have a proper career so music is not is not necessarily a thing um but i mean because i sang i've been singing in church since i was about 10 you know singing in the kids choir and the youth choir and that was back in nigeria by the way yeah. Um, so I just knew that there was more to me than just singing in church um, But I equally knew it wasn't the right time So I, I had the desire but I just knew it wasn't going to happen just there and then um, And yeah, many years passed Years of frustration and complaining and moaning to God As to why can't I just do it now And, and a lot of the time when I went to God uh, Especially when I compared myself to other people who were doing things that I wanted to do that I felt that I was qualified to do he kept reminding me many times I was so frustrated he kept reminding me that when Jesus was on earth he was obviously the son of God he was empowered to do everything that he was doing from when he was 30 but he didn't really manifest it for the first 30 years of his life and he would have seen you know lepers he would have seen the sick he would have seen people die and I can imagine how heartbreaking it would have been for him not to manifest himself as the son of God until the set time. And God just kept reminding me. And he also told me, he talked talk to me about um, David as well, who was anointed to be king yeah. from when he was a teenager, but didn't quite get onto the throne until many years after. So he was just saying to me, yes, you've got the anointing, but it's just not yet time. And when it's time, you know, and, and interestingly enough, when it was time, he did give me a really clear sign that it was the right time so that was something that kept me going and even even though I just felt you know I should be doing this and I could be doing this I was equally submissive to God's um, leading and I just wanted to make sure that when I did step out it was because he'd been clear to me that it was the right time to do it so it's one thing to be gifted and to be convinced that you need to do something it's another thing to wait for God to give you a clear nudge that it was the right time to step out or that it is the right time to step out so yeah that's, that's really important. God's timing is the best most of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sounds cliche, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's good. I mean, there's, there's sometimes to like, I 
African friend who wants to do something. I mean, you know, I can't become a musician for like, I just want to like maybe put more time into music and hopefully can turn to something. So because I've been into music since like when I was like 10, I've been playing drums since I was 10. So it's been like eight years now. And sometimes whenever I just, I just get invited to like churches and all that. So since I came to the UK, I haven't really had that opportunity as much since mm-hmm. like I used to have back home in Nigeria because I mean I grew up there so everyone knew me. If I'm going to church, they say, Okay, come and play drums. Um maybe a pastor will see me and invite me to his church and all of that. So most time mm-hmm. and, and then um when 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 I came up to this time I'm like and as time went on I just felt like I should be getting people calling me and all of that. Like I should be going to different mm-hmm. places to play drums mm-hmm. and all that. So I'm I'm always like why why is this not happening yet too? And yeah. then sometimes I just sit back and I'm like God probably knows why he's doing all this because mm-hmm. as much as everyone wants success, God knows how people handle success even before absolutely. you know you are handling success. Because yeah, I mean there's some people not discredit them, but there's some people that because they're younger, the way they've handled success online mm-hmm. it just gets into their head. And they mm-hmm. don't really mm-hmm. do the right thing anymore. So I feel like, and as time went on, I began to like get different things along the way, like exams and all of that. I'm like, I can see why God would just, you want them to wait a little bit, such that yeah, I can get some major things done before I then decide to, before I decide, before I decide to give me success. Because it's possible, like, oh, I might say to myself, oh, I'm a very humble person. And then when mm-hmm. people start get when you start getting recognized, like some people, they start getting recognized, the numbers get into their head. Yeah. And then they just lose everything. So I always I always try to be patient and very good to always be patient whenever mm-hmm. people um, So in terms of your music, like we you know you do gospel music, what type mm-hmm. of style of gospel music would you call <laughs> your type of music? You know, the interesting thing is I was asked this question just yesterday on another interview that I was on. And um, I, I think it's not... The thing about gospel music is it can't be boxed per se. You know, sometimes you want to define an artist by a particular sound. I like to define myself by the message. And the message is the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the good news of Jesus. Um, and because I'm a naturally soulful singer you know when i sing i sound yeah. soulful i've been told so yeah. um, my first two albums were like gospel soul gospel r&b but then i've always been a worship leader i've been leading worship since my teenage years um but that i've done using other people's music because you know 90 percent of the worship leaders don't write their own songs we all yeah. sing hill song and elevation right so um but with my new project i'm actually having to i was actually led to write for congregational and personal worship so songs that come from our own space right because a lot of the time no disrespect to the white churches no disrespect to the mega churches but a lot of the time we rely on them for our worship content and the reality is we can do our own thing right if we just set our minds to it and trust god so i felt like there's a bit of a gap in that space in the sense of solid doctrinally sound worship music i'm not talking about shallow because a lot of the time i won't say a lot of the time in some cases the music tends to be a bit shallow in terms of the scriptural and doctrinal content which is why we tend to go to the same sources because for certain um 
bands, worship teams, groups, churches, the content is so rich lyrically that you just know that if a song comes out, it's going to be, you know, robust, um, which is why they tend to get played and sung in many churches. Um, however, not the same can't be said really for us, you know, the average gospel or black artist. Sometimes we are not necessarily looking at the scriptural soundness. And so for me, I just felt there was a bit of a gap in that space. And it's always been a passion of mine as a worship leader to make sure that when I pull my set list together, that the songs are speaking truth about who God is and who God has called us to be in him. Yeah. And so in terms of answering your question about my sound, it's um, it's kind of a myriad of who I am as a person, as a Christian, because I'm a worship leader who naturally sings gospel soul and gospel R&B. And I'm writing an album for use in congregational worship, which is going to be of a congregational style. So it wouldn't be um, anything that you would hear and be like, oh, what's this? You literally hear it and you know that you can use this in your own personal worship time. You can soak in God's presence with the songs. You can take it to your choir and have it as a choir special, or you can even use it in praise and worship. And it's coming from a black space, you know, and not necessarily from an American space as well. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we go to America, we go to the Hill songs, and then we don't really have resources from our own space. And I'm just feeling like more of us need to come out and step up and yeah. bring the resource. It's a resource, literally, the album is a resource for churches to use for their worship, for their music. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't box myself genre per se because it's gospel. The gospel is what it is. Um, but if you needed to put a stamp on it, I'd say, because obviously I... I'm a soulful singer, but I'm equally a worship leader. So make of that what you will, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I really the, the thing is that I enjoy African type of gospel music. And the thing with mm. um, artists that are black outside Africa is like, we always tend to try to fit into the way Americans, white people make their own music. Yeah, you're right. You're right yeah, about and, that. And, and that's why most of our songs don't really get as much, um, don't like tend to speak to as many people like the white people mm-hmm. understand when the white people are singing but like I knew African type of music where like Nathaniel Bassi now and those people the way they sing and those old Nigerian songs and African songs I would like to listen mm-hmm. to those more because they have a strong message in it and it's more mm-hmm. um, people different people can relate to the song and use that song unlike when we just try to sing the American type of way so there's a way like this kind of in as much as music is one but the way different people spread, send the message is what is like important and that way I, I always enjoy African type mm. of music so it's, and, but um, the interesting thing is the African music yeah, uh, the African worship music is sounding very European which is why no, I wouldn't say European. It's sounding very Western, yeah. which is why you find a lot of Americans and potentially Europeans collaborating more with African artists, yeah. Nigerians and South Africans predominantly. So, which is again why I say the gospel sound can't be labeled, can't be boxed, because you just know it's the sound from heaven. Yeah. And wherever you are, you can you can connect with it, whether it's coming from the US, the UK, you know, Nigeria, wherever. You can connect with it because it's a sound from heaven and if you're from if you're a kingdom person you just know this is a song you need to be singing there's so many examples i could give where it doesn't really matter who wrote it it doesn't matter what yeah. their color is it's just the power in the song speaks volumes and cuts across barriers and you know that's really what it should be about yeah that's, that's, that's a good 
So during your journey, like as you've done music for the past few years, what have been some issues that you think you faced as being a gospel artist for your time? Yeah, there's been many. How do you, do you want us to write a book? Hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, Lord, no, I'm just playing. I think one of the biggest challenges, particularly for UK artists, is the lack of support from our own, and likewise the lack of um, support from within the Black community. So many people have told me this, and I know this to be a fact that we don't pay for stuff, right? Yeah. Um, before COVID, we had lots of gigs. Like gigs used to be a thing where you could have a concert, you could have a, an event, you could have a um, a live recording or whatever, either in church or at a venue. And it might be ticketed. God help you to sell out that venue if it's ticketed, yeah. uh, because people wouldn't want to buy tickets to come see you. I mean, I've seen event organizers even bring the biggest names and still have to bend over backwards to get people to pay to come yeah. see them um and that's the consumer that's one of the challenges but likewise the the leaders the pastors the event organizers they typically um in, again in the uk i don't know if this is the case in other parts of the world probably but in the uk event organizers are not terribly keen on supporting uk artists you, yeah. you could find a big event and and i tend to look at this quite a lot it's not because not because it's anything to me but because I just like to, to observe trends. Mm -hmm. And you could see a big event and look at the flyer and you could have big names from the US, big names from Nigeria, big names from South Africa, an event in the UK, by the way, right? And some couple of white artists as well and potentially no UK artists whatsoever. And it's not for the lack of UK artists, right? Um, so event organizers, for whatever reason, are not really helping, of course, because they just don't, they just don't support artists. Uh, I think that's been one of the biggest frustrations, which is why artists tend to do their own thing. It's like, well, if you don't invite me, I'll host my own show. But then they host their own show and nobody actually pays to come. Yeah. You know? so it's, it's a catch-22, isn't it? I yeah. think that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, a couple of things I'd say is the support from the consumer and support from the event organizers is really lacking. Um, I, I could be devil's advocate and play um, and and um, give an argument for them, which is that, to a degree, yes, there are lots of artists in the UK, but the quality is not consistent. Sure. So I could argue on behalf of the consumer and the event organizer that, well, you know, these people don't have big followings. They don't, you know, they don't really have great songs. They don't have a repertoire. That's the other thing. A lot of artists, you know, have just one single or whatever. And if you're coming to a gig, especially if you're going to headline, you need to have a solid That's, repertoire yeah. of at least maybe six to eight six, to ten yeah. songs that people know. That's the other thing. You don't want to be on stage and no one, one knows song. your songs. And or even even with all the songs, but nobody knows them. You no. can have ten songs, but if no one can sing along, that is also another challenge. Yeah. So in as much as I'm saying there's that issue, on the flip side, they could argue with, well... Who knows these artists and, and what songs do they have? So yeah. I guess the onus is on us as artists to a degree to try and promote ourselves as much as possible and, you know, at least get a couple of songs that are really well known out there. Yeah. Such that when event organizers have stuff coming up, they consider us for, for the gigs. But yeah, there's so many challenges, but I think those are the big ones because it can be really discouraging and lonely for artists and they could just give up just on just because of those two things I've mentioned. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's just most people have to just stay strong. That's that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. And, Easier said, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's true. It's, it's easy to say, but it's just most people just get motivated. As much as there are many artists, it's always good to have songs that mm. everyone knows. Because if people know your song quite well, that that's why I don't know. I think that's that the thing with some circular artists that because some people know mm. their songs quite well, they always tend to attract mm. more people. And yeah. even though the gospel scene could be like that, that people know your song very well, but it's just the way people send the message and the way we accept people. Well, mm, yeah. Yeah. In regards to your upcoming album, you just released an EP during Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you give like a, a brief um, explanation to like the message behind the like the storyline, like why and how did you make the EP? All right. So the EP is actually a, a, a predecessor of the album. Yeah. The entire project I've been working on. Well, it should have come out last year, but then obviously. Um, the unmentionable happened um, but the whole idea behind the project is to release a um, as I said earlier a worship album that can be used as a resource for yeah. corporate and individual worship and so what I planned to do and thankfully it's worked so far is to kind of drip feed the album instead of just giving everyone you know just one huge download say here are 10 or 11 tracks because um, I kind of want people to I want the songs to I want people to grow on each of the tracks as much as possible um, because I've found that the way we consume music these days has changed compared to the past if you drop an album today people are probably going to listen to a couple of songs and just carry on with their lives but if you kind of give it to them in phases they can at least appreciate some of the yeah. major tracks in the project and then when the album comes out they probably would be like okay so these are the few tracks to see what the album is like so it's kind of yeah for me i say to people it's kind of john the baptist before jesus christ kind of vibe so setting the tone for the big the big project but that is it, all towards the album so the ep is not a standalone all the tracks in the ep would be in the album as well when it's out um and i am going to have one more single by god's grace at the end of may and that would actually have a, um, a video with a live performance of the song by God's Grace. And um, by June, sorry, by July, the album should be out. We should have been out last year. But all yeah. things work together for good because yeah. I was saying to someone yesterday, the album, the title of the album was given to me in 2019. And the title is Restored. Um, considering everything that we've gone through in the last yeah. year and, and a bit... There is no better time to declare so, restoration yeah. than towards the middle of 2021 when things Absolutely. are starting to open up. So I feel like that title would not have really made sense if we didn't have, not to yep. say that the pandemic was for me, but I feel like my song is, my album is a response to the pandemic in a way. And God knew that we would be needing a message of hope and restoration after everything, after all said and done in 2020. So I wouldn't have known to name my album Restored nor would I have known to bring it out in July but God knows everything he orchestrates everything and the title track of the album Restored speaks about completely losing hope and I feel like everyone in the world has experienced yeah. loss in you one way or another yeah. from the from the um, from the extreme end of losing a loved one to what may seem trivial like losing a job or losing access to all the things that we consider you know, basic things which have now yeah. become luxuries, 
we've lost something and we've to an extent maybe near got close to losing our minds even and and restored is really about reflecting on getting close to nothingness and then remembering that you know Jesus took all of that and he restores everything that we lose so um i can't think of a better time for such a message to come out than in the middle of 2021 and i'm just really humbled that god gave me that vision only for it to come out just in time so that's really um in terms of the project as a whole it's um hopefully going to be a useful resource for people yeah. to worship um but it's also quite well timed given where we would be by july so yeah yeah that's that's that's, that's a really good explanation I, I really i really love the message being a bomb restoration <laughs> i really love it and i even i even enjoy the ep so that's why i thought i wanted to talk about that i was able to cover that part um okay. but yeah it's, it's good that sometimes things work together for our oh, good and absolutely the message is going to be very very resonating with different people at this yeah, time that's the prayer yeah, yeah. So, um, if you could like give any advice to some upcoming artists, gospel artists, what advice would you give to them when they're getting into the gospel music industry? Mm. I think the first thing would be don't do it because other people are doing it. Um, don't do it for the wrong motives because you very, very quickly become frustrated. Absolutely. Don't look at the glam. Don't look at the pretty pictures and and you know the videos. Because you don't really know people's story and their process and how they got to where they are. Yeah. I'd say spend time seeking God's face for yourself. Ask Him to put you in the center of His will. Seek His face for the timing for your gifting to be manifested. Because I'm assuming whoever's listening and who's in who's listening who's in that position, there's no question to your gifting. But then there probably would be some questions around the timing of it manifestation and i think it's critical that you're not driven to put yourself out there for the wrong reasons don't do it for fame don't do it for money because there's actually no money to start with um and don't do it out of envy or feeling like you deserve it you could do better than all those people who have no clue what they're doing you very quickly come to realize that it's not as easy as it looks um so that would probably be the first bit of advice i would give and then secondly i'd say whatever it is that you're doing because i know that as the chances are you're going to be an independent artist i pray that you'd be signed by a label um but if that doesn't happen and given its chances of that happening are one in a million you're probably going to be an independent artist and because of that factor alone you're probably going to be paying for the project from your own pocket and therefore you would have challenges of balancing quality and cost and i'd say don't compromise on quality try as much as possible to put the best quality projects out there that your money can afford um spend time planning spend time saving spend time understanding what the music industry involves because being a gospel artist yes we're into ministry but it's also a business you need to understand the business side of things you need to understand what memberships you need to be a part of i actually have a thursday a weekly thing i do every thursday called yeah. equilibrium where i share I want to mention that people and a mentoring program actually for, for yeah. upcoming artists because a lot of the time because of the spiritual nature of what we do we completely ignore the business side of things which is very critical because if we're going to grow and be relevant as an industry we do need to think of the business side of things yeah. so I'd say to artists you know upcoming and even existing to really 
bring yourself up to speed on the business side of things not because you're doing it for money but because you're doing it for legacy your music is going to outlive you only if it's of really good quality and if you've done the right kind of admin to place it in the right places you know to push it into distribution as much as possible and really that's um uh, one of the key tips that i would give to anyone up and coming and i think probably the third thing i would say is if they close a door in your face just get another one and knock on it just because you're turned down doesn't mean yeah. there's no one around the corner who would say yes so don't stop trying don't stop pushing and if they don't give you a platform try and create your own that's yeah. that's really good that's, that's, that's a very good point and i was going to tell you someone on the last episode i interviewed someone that most people do is join because they say they see somebody else doing it and they want to do it and sometimes the mm. motive as to why you're doing things affects you in the long run absolutely yeah. because absolutely. If, if, if you're just doing it because you want to get famous a time will come at some point when some people will just dip and then some other people re-emerge. Yep. So that gap where some people go away, it's always good that if, if you have the right motive, then you don't get like demotivated or burnt out. Because Correct. if, you have, the, if you have the wrong motive, like, oh, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to get money. I want to have mm-hmm. 1 million followers on Instagram. Uh-huh. When you lose like 20,000, there'll be a time when you feel very sad and depressed. And that's one thing mm-hmm. that really affects people. So I said it's always good to have the right motive, as you said. Correct. So the, mo- yeah. the motive is very, very important. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, make, make sure you guys check out this weekly video that she does because she does all this equilibrium stuff about music and <laughs> business. It's always good to know the business side of things because I don't think so many, so many people don't know the business side of things in terms of the gospel. Yeah. And in terms of like being, it's. Um, being signed to a label and an independent artist, which one do you think is better? Or are there like advantages and disadvantages mm. of either? There are pros and cons, to be honest. But I have to say the day of uh, a full-on record deal is in the past. It's literally history. Yeah. As a matter of fact, labels aren't really doing full-on record deals just for the fact that it's hard to make their money back. Um, a record deal typically would involve a, a label investing in an artist that they've identified has potential. So they would typically, and this is not talking well, ideally in, in a proper scenario, it should apply to the Christian scene as well. But they would typically get a band of writers to write songs for the artists to um, record. They'd pay for all the sessions. They'll get a branding specialist, a marketing specialist to get you know, to agree on what the artist should look like in terms of their branding, their image. They'll get all the sales guys in place to decide on where the music is going to be plugged, what kind of marketing campaign they're going to do, if necessary, plan tours nationwide, whatever. And the artist just needs to sing and look good and they do all the work. This was the ideal scenario, which is why people used to chase after record deals. Um, These days, that very, very rarely happens unless you can literally prove yourself to be such an exceptional artist that you would make them millions back for them and chances of that happening in today's generation that's really perverted is if as a female you're ready to either strip or as a male you're ready to lap dance with the devil google that google that so um exactly so that 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 is literally it for the rest of us who have our necks our heads tightly screwed on we have to do all those things i've just said by ourselves and that's where being an independent artist 
to the fullest apply. So you're not just coming in to sing, but you're thinking of all those things I just talked about. You're thinking about your songwriting. You're thinking about where you're registering yourself as a songwriter so you can get your royalties from writing your songs and from your songs being performed in different places. You're thinking as a label who has invested money in an artist and the same person, but you're wearing two different hats. And you're thinking to yourself, if I put a thousand pounds in somebody else and I wrote a song and I produced a song for them to record, how do I get my money back? And the label will be thinking of different things. The label will be thinking of this song. How can we place it in, in different platforms for different uses so that just from the songwriting alone, we're making money, right? Yeah. And that's where you see songs being used in ads and all of that, in, in supermarkets, you get music played. All of those placements come through the label. If you're a good, if you're an independent artist and you have a publisher, a publisher yeah. will do that for you as well. So long story short, because I could go on on this till tomorrow, <laughs> but to, to give a short answer to a packed and loaded question, in today's generation, you're probably better off being an independent artist because number one, you own the rights to your music because typically yeah. a label, as I said, would normally get a group of writers unless you can negotiate a solid contract and it's, unless you're a good writer yourself mm-hmm. and you can negotiate that into your contract, a label would get people to write the music for you and they would own the rights to the music because they're putting their money into creating the music. Yeah. Go Google Kanye West and um, this other girl, uh, the girl that sang Shake It Off. I can't remember her name now. Anyway. Just Google them and, and, and see, and Prince actually, Prince as well, and see the contracts that they had back in the day that made it challenging for them to own the rights, to claim the rights to their to their music. Um, yeah. As an independent artist, when you write your own songs, just make sure they're really good. But the point being, you own those rights. So if that song blows in 20 years time, let's say it, it gets used in a, a gospel movie about Jesus Christ that goes into the cinemas and sells millions, any money, money is yeah. all yours right but then it it still comes back to you writing some solid stuff that Soft, has yeah. huge potential That's but then again it comes back to the first question I, the first point I raised about you know that Taylor Swift is the name I was trying to remember it comes back to the point of you sitting down having an out of body experience which is what I tend to do not that, not that I faint but I have an out of body experience in the sense that I look at myself as though I was somebody else and I say what are we doing with this investment? Sometimes I listen to my music when I'm producing it. It's in the process of being created. And I'm like, if this was somebody else, what feedback would I give them? Yeah. And I think as an independent artist, you need to have that out-of-body experience and look at yourself as though you were somebody else investing money and going, how can I make my money back? And you're not doing it for money, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you're going to be a successful independent artist, you need to at least break even so you can use that money to do another song. You're not going to be throwing money away. Uh, yeah. um, but no, there's so many benefits to being an independent artist. But you can really do well if you understand the business side. If you don't, then yeah, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be, hard, it's yeah. going to be a huge challenge being an independent artist. That's just the truth. I, w- I always think of it like... You, the thing with being tied to a label is you need to be very strong in terms of your values. Because oh, absolutely. If, if, yeah. you're, if you're just someone that is easily swayed by the wind... Swayed, yeah any label that also comes to you you because you are desperate to get signed to a label then you mm. would want to do anything that you say and with this age of social media anyone can mm. literally do their own stuff by themselves like literally on tiktok and all of that you see mm-hmm. people doing their own music just because of tiktok and they blow up and then mm-hmm. they become big so 
Yeah, see, this is the benefit of being an independent artist. But don't get me wrong, I cannot overemphasize the importance of knowing the business side of things. Because if you're blowing on TikTok, but you haven't done your admin for yeah. that song that is blown, it's just going to be numbers on a social media. It's not going to be numbers in your bank account. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's let's just get that right. Let's not get yeah. excited about numbers on social media. You need to work it through on your admin to make sure that all those streams and appearances appear in your bank account, and that's critical. Yes, yeah. that's, that's that's really important because I mean most people don't really understand that business side. Like people just think, mm. oh, because you're an independent artist and you get a million streams, then you're going to get like super rich because most people no. don't know what goes into it. No, they don't know, but. There was something you mentioned with I think your producer on Instagram, Goes I Am or I don't know his name. Yeah, yeah, Goes I Am. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned only with him about the um, codes that they use in producing music. ISRC like code. To, yeah. Yeah, that you need to put those codes together so that when the streams comes out, they need to all be together in that album. I I, I didn't yeah. really understand. We can just give like a short explanation as to what. Yeah, definitely. Goes into that. So basically, when you create a song, it has its own metadata. So, for example, when you go to, so for example, when you go to a um, a shop and you buy a banana or a gift card, yeah. there's a there's a barcode that you need to scan. Yeah. And that barcode was created when that product was created, such that for every scan, the money that you know gets paid can be tracked back to whoever needs to get paid from purchasing from your purchase of that item so the isrc yeah. code is effectively like a digital barcode that's attached to the song that tracks streams purchases and everything in between and attributes that back to you as the owner of the song now why i recommended and this is this is a strategy that works if you're planning on releasing songs in bits but then building it up to an ultimate release and the mistake that some people have made is so they have a single that's part of this let's make let's keep it simple you have a four track ep yeah and you want to release an, a single in january and release the ep in march right yeah so you release the single it's got an isrc code you have to have an isrc code because that's what tracks as i said the revenue that comes back to you to keep it simple um so you release the track in january it's got isrc code one two three and then in march you release the ep um, but then with all the four tracks, you then generate fresh ISRC codes. And for the one that you release in January, you give it a new ISRC code in March. What happens is, yes, you're going to get all the money for both for the same track, even though it's split between the two. But when it comes to aggregating your streams, that one track called I Love Jesus, the one you release in January would probably have however many streams, say 50,000. Yeah. The one you released in March would have a separate number of streams, say 30,000. So given that we live in an age of perception, it's an age where people perceive things when they see your stats. Yeah. It's not the be all and end all, but it just means that that song, Jesus Loves Me, could have had 80,000 streams. But then right. anyone who looks at it would see 50 here and 30 there. And if you go on social media and proclaim 80, you'd sound like you're disingenuous because no one's ever going to see that number anyway. Yeah. So which is why I say... If you go and check my EP today, and this is, I'm just being open and honest because that's the kind of person I am. My EP today has 118,000 streams or thereabout. I released it last Friday. Yeah. And this is the, the strategy in practice. That's because I released Spirit Come in August. I released yeah. Lurus King in January. And I used the same ISRC code when I put them on the EP. And so so from day one, together. 
exactly and this is why i say to people when you're planning a release drip feed it so that by the time you actually do the release it's got some traction people are familiar with the songs and people who are new to the songs and new to your stuff but sadly but true they're moved by numbers so they come to your platform and they say oh my god they've got x number of streams they're yeah, gonna want to check yeah. out more of your stuff exactly. it's just the reality and if it's the way it is then we just have to go with the flow we have to be smart you know so yeah. it's like they come on there like, oh my god this ep was released last friday it's got 120 000 streams what else has she got and that's really what it's about so and then obviously you just keep going that way but it's about getting your isrc codes and you have to have a spreadsheet for all these things you need to keep track um, you can easily get these codes from your distributor but I, I highly recommend being a member of PPL because then PPL will give you your own string of codes yeah. and you can just keep creating just adding on a number at the end each time you create a new one so yeah uh, in regards to what you said about that um, when people see your stream it's just like if a video goes viral yeah people exactly people want to check your content yeah that, so that's, that's, that's absolutely it. yeah it's, it's, it's all psychological and you yeah. need to this is again why i say you need to be savvy in these kind of things it's great to have the spiritual side but you need to be savvy otherwise we'd all just be having mediocre numbers and blaming it on god knows what you know we yeah. need to really be savvy because here's the thing that drives me i'm not driven by numbers or stats i'm driven by the power in the message that i have been given to share and because we have a powerful message we cannot afford to be mediocre we need to be aggressive about putting this message out to as many people as possible. Yeah. You know, and that's where we, that's where the tact and the strategy comes into play. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a particular scripture that my uncle tells me, you know, asking that we be like, God said you will bless the works of your hand. It did not say you're just mm-hmm. going to bless you. So mm-hmm. you have to put in work. So part of that work is the admin and business part. Where God yeah, absolutely. Push you. Flow into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very interesting, very interesting. I, I really, I really, I really want to have Zayo producer on the podcast. I've tried messaging him. Yeah. Probably, he probably doesn't have read his DMs, but I'll try and. Really I'll let him know. I've I, I've been speaking to him today, so I'll let. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> so um, yeah, make sure everyone checks out the upcoming album. It's out in June or July, he said. July. By yeah, July, and the EP that just yeah. dropped soon. So make sure everyone checks out. Um, yeah, so we're out of time. So, thank you very much for coming on the episode. I really appreciate thank your you. time. Hopefully, to listen, I'm really looking forward to the album. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, so make, make sure everyone checks her out. She's underscore Sarah Table on Instagram. And she does. Oh, there's different... no underscore. There's no underscore. It's Sarah Table Music. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Because I was trying to look for it today. But yeah. Yeah, it's Sarah, Sarah Table, Table Music. On, yeah. And, do you have a YouTube too? Yeah, just Sarah Table Music as well. If you check my YouTube, it's the one with 1,400 subscribers because I think whenever you go on YouTube, it just brings every place where my music has been placed. Yeah. So people find it hard to find me sometimes. So just check the Sarah Table, the channel, with uh, 1.4 thousand um, subscribers. Hopefully okay. that grows to 10,000. <laughs> but yeah. for now it's 1.4 thousand. So, yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you very much. It's been a lovely time having you on the show. Hopefully, no worries. Thanks can for have having. you sometime in the future when your EP has dropped. So, um, your, yeah, sorry, not EP, the album. The album. Yeah. So, <laughs> when the album has dropped, glad to come thank, back. Yeah, thank you very much. So, make sure you guys check her out. And I'll put the link to the EP in the show notes. So, make sure you guys check that out. And um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And I'll see you guys in the next one.